electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's essential morning show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod, Saudi's IPO noms de plume in the trade talks, and what's in your Lululemons? Joe's not wearing them today. But... No. You didn't wear them because you don't like being called a slob? Aria Burkhoff, the banker behind the biggest media mergers of the decade, sees a clash of the titans in the 2020s. Not all these streaming platforms will survive. We work gangsters. Senator Tom Cotton wants the company investigated for fraud. They were using fake made-up metrics like contribution margin or community-adjusted EBITDA, whatever that means. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Thursday, December 12th, 2019. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back, you buy in three, two, one, kill please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Shares of Saudi Aramco have now surged now on their second day of public trading on the Saudi Arabian exchange. And I should say they've surged again. The move briefly now pushing the kingdom's record IPO to that $2 trillion market cap. That's nearly a trillion dollars higher than the world's next largest public companies, Microsoft and Apple. Valuation will be seen as a win for the Saudi crown prince, but the IPO lacked that international interest the kingdom had hoped for, relying mostly on local investors after the company canceled overseas roadshows in London and New York. We should point out this is actually a market valuation, not a market cap. Um, Mark- it's not $2 trillion because it's only a very small tranche that's been sold on the yes. Saudi... Yes, uh, theoretically, it's, it's the, the market cap. Right. With theoretically, it's the market cap. No cap, a, no, but no company is, a small, is a real market cap. Right, thing. but because it's such a small portion of the shares that are right. being traded, I think you have to look at that a little bit. We've always right. sort of thought, thought that. that, that if you needed, uh, in the dot-com bubble... If you ever needed to sell all the shares that at went into time. the market cap, it was none of those things were ever, ever gonna at, happen. at right, two and three billion. You're talking about such a small fraction. Right, it's of the even shares, easier. It's, it's even better. Yeah, yeah, it's even better. And I'm sure there will be spend. And who knows? Yeah, who knows that. whether it was or was not? I mean, if they well, got enough money to move part that of thing the whole on, effort here, right? Has that been float to, has, has simply been to try to get to this two billion. I don't know that. I can't see. I can't see MBS or any of the Saudis doing anything unethical in the in the sock market, though, like, I, you know, they, they you know, they're, they're, the moral high ground that they, they always like, like to take, uh, you know, as witness from the last, what, when did that happen? A couple of years, a few years ago now. They don't, do they turn us off in, on, in the kingdom when we talk about them? I don't know. I'm not sure. The same but you know what I mean? I mean, right. I'm, I'm sure this isn't a big step. Maybe moving the stock up a Yay, little. Yay, we won. We got to Versus, right. you know. I want to be hopeful, though. I do. I have to say that. That the stock goes higher? No. Oh, that they... That this is a transformation. Look, I'm not... I, for honestly... We, we, we've talked about it, that kind right. of very skeptically with very good reason, but I also... I think as, it's hypocritical as, 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 as we... like to be an optimist no, about no, things. I hope that this 
does shift shift the Andrew? It's hypocritical to, to hold the Saudis to such a much higher standard than we hold all these other people we deal with in the world, like North Korea, and or we even talk to Iran. We talk to China with the Uyghurs. We got all we, this other stuff. We going. talk to Saudi Arabia much more than we talk to North <laughs> Korea. We do. Well, there's it's good reason. Sentence. There's a good you know. You, did you drive to work? You, uh, Using fossil fuels? Uh, yeah, with you didn't. You don't have. Where's your hoverboard? Oh, you're a, you're a, a Generation bicycle. Xer. You're not a hoverboard. City bike. Okay. All right. You can see me out there. On the, on the days, I got some there yesterday that, that from millennials that said, we're, we're, they wear ABC pants too, the Lululemons, and they said, we have much more in common than we have. I said, you know, you're right. It's just tough love with me. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to meet somewhere with, 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 with the detente. That's what this is. It's tough love. Yeah. It is. We do have a, look. I thought it was hazy. I'm much closer mentally to a 15-year-old. Than, than yes. to where I am. So I'm fully comfortable. I may even be better with the generation, what is that, the Zier? Z? Yeah. But I'm down there. I'm not. I, I know. Yeah, you do know that. Lululemon, Joe's not wearing them today, but no. uh, that may be the problem. They are under pressure. The apparel maker beat crushed. expectations for earnings and revenue in the third quarter. Gross margins and same-store sales also topping estimates. But here's the problem. The company's fourth quarter outlook was slightly short of estimates, and the stock has been on such a tear this year, up more than 80% to date. And uh, it's giving back some of those gains this morning, down about 4%. You didn't wear them because you don't like being called a slob? <laughs> yeah. Cape yeah. Pot, pot meat kettle. Uh, wow. Uh, that was a good one. No, um, we have a shoot today. We have some things we're doing that we don't need to go into, but we have some yeah. things that are, you know, promotional type things. And I mean, there's going to be a jacket involved. You're, you've got like about three or four different uh, costume outfits. Changes. You've got some costume changes. Uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm wearing a suit today. Yeah. Big wear the blazer. You really should. Oh, I w- I'm going to. I'm going to wear it with the bl- It's not a blazer. It's, it's, it's a suit. suit right. It's a very nice suit. And, and they wanted a white shirt. This is as close. You know, for TV, it's, white is not good if you're not going to wear a jacket. So this is, this is actually blue. Yeah. Huh? Kind of. Sort of. But kind of a white. Whitish blue. Bluish white. I got something really exciting coming up, too, about Ron Vera. Do you, do, have you noticed, as a jumbo player, how cool that is? It's Navarro. It's not all the letters. Yes, it is. Oh, two R's. There are two R's in there. It's everything. And he splits it up, and it's, it's beautiful. It's Ron Vera is Navarro. You got two A's, um, two R's that yeah. you got in, in Navarro. It, it is an anagram of Navarro. That's kind of like... I'm sure you thought of that. Tom didn't even, Ridley. Didn't, didn't even give... It, didn't even, but I didn't really no, you know what it's like? Vivian Darkbloom. Yes. yes. Vladimir yes. Nabokov. Nabokov. I'm always uncomfortable knowing too much about... Lolita, that book, although uh, it was yeah. the, it, it although was, it was the, taught well, it in school. He, he, he went, went to Catholic school. He, he grew it. up speaking Russian. He wrote one of the greatest novels in disturbing. English, in English. And it's if you read disturbing. the annotated, it, it, it totally collapses in all the different know, things it's, that it's really, I know it's sick. In fact, trade hawk Peter Navarro, but I didn't think of the, the anagram issue, is making that case in a pro-tariff memo circulated under his pseudonym, Ron Vera. Now, Navarro confirmed to the New York Times that he wrote the memo, which has been circulating around Washington. Of course Washington. he did. He says that import duties are working to defend the economy and have had no negative impacts on growth or stock markets rise. He says tariffs spur growth by improving net exports in the GDP equation. He argues that the White House should, quote, get uncertainty out of the market by announcing no deal until after the election and ride the tariffs to victory. So this is now... New, new tariffs included. Right, but this is now political. 
there are people that don't want to do it. Don't want to do it for a lot of reasons. But to ride it for the election? For the election and, and because you're not going to get what you need because they won't do it anyway. So you don't, so you're not going to, so you basically, you're going to lose. No, 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 you're going to lose You're going to lose, lose what? what you want. If you're not going to make progress on the deal, no, you, you, then you, is backing down. You put it on, right. and, and then if you use have, it as a no, campaign you, no, device. It's not going to hurt. It's not the, it's not the impetus. It's not the reason for doing it. But if you have four more years to take a hard line, you might actually accomplish something. Be positive, Andrew. Be positive. We shouldn't take this line down. For, I, for me, I would not that, like to that be. That depends on believing that he's going to still be the president. Well, yeah. All right. That's part of the... Hillary might get in. That's what Bannon thinks. He does. I know he does. He does. He, you know he predicted Bloomberg, but that's going nowhere fast. Um, I, I have your anagram. I, I, Ken Wren. Ken Wren. I do not want to be constrained for my, for my nom de plume by my name. I want to pick a really, really cool one. Like... Carlos Dagger? Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's Freudian. That wasn't, he didn't talk about his danger. dagger. He said pictures of it. It was Carlos Danger, which is much cooler than, because he's a, da- actually he was dangerous to everyone around him, including the Clinton campaign. Anyway, Carlos Danger, I want to, you got any, what was uh, Mitt Romney's? He had a really stupid one, too, that he was tweeting under. Oh, I remember. Oh, I forget. It just happened two weeks yeah. ago. I, I tried to remember, and I go, you know what, um, I'm not a millennial because I can't remember, uh, but I'm going to look at it. It was a really lame one, too. And, and you couldn't tell. Like this, I think, Navarro, anybody that, you know, you could figure that out. If you t- pick Ron Vera, he was doing it. He wasn't trying to hide behind it. You're you Ken know. Wren. Ken Wren is not bad. Ken, who? Who? It's so stupid. He, 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 <laughs> he could be French, so Pierre D'Alexo. Yeah, it was a, it was a French. Yeah, Pierre D'Alexo. No, yeah, Romney. Oh, Romney's was that? Got a lot of traits that, uh, in terms of, so, uh, anyway. So. Here, here, just real quickly. Frenchmen say Nabokov. Okay, supposedly the accent That's on the last syllable. No, you Nabokov. say. I said Nabokov. Englishmen say, say Nabokov. I, right. Accent on the first. Italians and Russians say Nabokov. Nabokov. So Russians. Say Middle. Nabokov. In Russian, it's Nabokov. Yeah, that's why. I, that's yeah. why I said it that way. But you say apparently. Porsche. I'm never going to be able to say Nabokov. It's Nabokov. No, no, it's Nabokov. If you in the we, Russian pronunciation, but it's Nabokov. I'm glad to see and we happen to be on TV that way because there's a lot of words while that this is all happening. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, dealmaker Aria Burkhoff on audiences, media, and myth-making. There's no more appetite for the latest hot uh, product or hot company. It's really about, now that you have scale, what are you going to do with it? This is a clash of the titans. And those titans should be going way beyond just video. Video streaming, we talk about it a lot. It's a huge renaissance. It's great. But how about the audio business? Sounds like we're right on trend. Squawk Pod, back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Liontree is a boutique investment bank that's been around since 2012. But founder Aria Burkhoff has been in the business of deal making for a long time, and Liontree's track record proves it. 
In the seven years since its founding, the firm has helped broker over $450 billion in mergers and acquisitions. That's over 100 deals. And you probably know most of them. Charter's purchase of Time Warner Cable, Verizon's acquisition of AOL and of Yahoo, and most recently, Liontree advised Viacom's board of directors in its merger with CBS. Aria was on our TV show for an extended interview this morning, and here on the podcast, we've teased out the best sound from that conversation. Here's Becky. Aria has penned his annual year-end letter outlining his thematic outlook for media, markets, the M&A, and all of this is coming for the decade ahead. And Aria, it's great to see you. Thanks for having me. First up, uh, congratulations on the deal you just finished, CBS Viacom. Are you jonesing for another deal already? Well, jonesing is not the word I would use, but certainly we're on the lookout for the right transactions. Although this one just happened, and I think, uh, like many of us now, we're focusing on stabilizing and executing through the end of the year and picking it up again as we start the next decade. This one was such a long time coming and had yeah. been talked about for so long and yeah. was so storied. What, what, what does this mean to have CBS and Viacom back together? Well, when you think about uh, the last decade, we were on the show, or you've been talking for a long time about fragmentation and the media industry being uh, in pieces here and there and having to get scale. And we've largely achieved that. Think about what's happened over the last year between Viacom and CBS and Disney Fox and AT&T Time Warner and Comcast Sky. I mean, a lot of transactions have occurred to get us to this point. And Viacom CBS is the latest example. Not easy to execute these deals, but now that they're together, it's really about what you can do from here. This is our theme of scale players being in motion from here. Are we in peak scale at this point? I don't think we're in peak scale, but we're certainly nearing the top of the mountain now. We're stabilizing around scale players. Everyone's learned from each other uh, how we get to this point. Uh, there's no more appetite for like the, na- the latest sort of hot uh, product or hot company. It's really about now that you have scale, what are you going to do with it? This is a clash of the titans. Everyone is going to be there competing with each other for the consumer's attention. Is it fair to think that maybe we're reaching the height of this, not only because companies are the size they want to be, my guess is some of them would like to get bigger, but I'm not sure regulators would allow it. I think the regulators will probably favor the media industry versus the tech industry. We're not yet at equilibrium between these scale players. Not all scale players are the same. I don't know. The last couple of media ones that went through got a lot of scrutiny that came from regulators. Not CBS Viacom, but you think uh, AT&T, Comcast, some of the issues they've been through with regulators on these things. Well, the consumer has a lot of choice these days. Uh, There are over 100 streaming platforms available for the consumer, and I would say a lot of the power has shifted from the gatekeeper and the platform to the consumer. The consumer has the choice now. So I think that'll be the lens by which the regulators look at it. Will the consumer continue to have the ultimate choice here? Um, what, what do these companies do now that they've reached scale? What, what, how, how has that changed things for them? It's a great question because I think every player we're talking about now is not fully formed yet. They have scale, but there still needs to be motion around how you achieve your business plans, even new deals. For example, you may see that so many companies are now focused on video and video streaming. We talk about it a lot. It's a huge renaissance. It's great. But how about the audio business? The audio business is underserved versus the video business in terms of not just podcasting, but also even radio, obviously, is hugely listened to today, and other parts of audio like Alexa and obviously Google Home, et cetera, but also video gaming. Video gaming is a lot less expensive to produce than video today and underserved. So there needs to be some attention paid to everything. Why do you think the video game guys, or why do you think the streamers have yet to pick off the video game folks? For, for many years, before, by the way, you were even streamers, 
there was always a view that some of the big media Hollywood studios would ultimately buy the gamers in a meaningful way. And yeah. no one's really ever tried. I think that's still to come. Actually, it's one of our thematics as we go into next year that we think the video game industry, first of all, has gotten to be a little bit less expensive than it was historically because you have fewer players and they're scaled up. But also you have a lot more cloud-based gaming platforms coming on now. So it's a lot more of an efficient ecosystem and infrastructure to produce the games and to distribute the games. I think, you'll, I think you'll see that not only in traditional publishers, but also esports, sports gambling, other areas of and gaming. I've always thought that a Netflix or a Amazon Prime with Twitch, it would be a natural thing to, have, to actually yeah. have the games yeah. next door. If you were Disney Plus, perhaps, yep. and you wanted to have gaming right in the, the system. There, there's a setup, right? We, last year we had, uh, this year, Google Stadia prop, uh, platform. Right. Snap has a gaming platform. Amazon has a platform. Comcast has a platform. So you're starting to see the platform set up for it now. I think you'll start seeing the transactions if, in the future. If you were an advertising company, would you be hiring people or laying off people based on streaming? Is everybody going to be a subscriber or is everybody going to be, do we still need to make commercials? Because it seems like I kind of agree with Peacock. I mean, I, I, I only want so many streaming. I, I, if I get it free, I'll watch a few ads. Which way would you do it? Too much of a good thing is definitely an issue here. Uh, the average U.S. adult spends 11 hours a day on media consumption. Don't tell me that. God. 11 hours. And that's not really growing What did people do 100 years ago? They did, did they do real things? Work. They, they lived. Yeah, they lived. <laughs> they, they worked so they could eat. So 11 hours a day, and you're being um, overwhelmed by video platforms, which are fantastic, right? But you have to have a little bit more of a discernment for the consumer. So they say, like, when you play baseball, you have about a half a second to react to a fastball coming at you in the major leagues. Right. When you're on Netflix, if you don't find your movie within 90 seconds, you're out. So the, the reaction time of the consumer is very short right now because of three different I, Look, I have to say that. I, I'm frustrated by the idea that it's not curated for me, that I have to switch between five different... They do curate a little bit. Well, i got to switch between five I got a 95%. Services. Am I going to Netflix? Am I going to Disney Plus? Am I going to On Demand on my cable box? It's not all curated. You watch prison documentaries. And I have to use three different uh, remotes to get yeah. between yeah. all of those things. Yeah, so what you're going to do instead, you're gonna, they're going to have AI, they're gonna invest in AI platforms to help get you to that. So are you expanding faster. your advertising company or are you laying off because it's going to be all subscription? I think you're still in expansion mode because yeah. I think the consumer needs two choices. One is a paid option and a free option. And I think every company will get to giving the consumer a choice of having an advertising. So distributors support. have to figure that out. I think, I think the advertising business will come back to TV, come back to outdoor, away from Google and Facebook in some cases because it's just too costly in some cases for people to work with them. And I think it will come back to the But I won't have 10 subscriptions that I pay for streaming services. I think over time that will narrow down, yes. It is a little crazy to have an Apple Plus and an Amazon Prime. And, I mean, so many different effects. Because they're not just channels anymore. It's sort of beyond that. And so is the, there consolidation even there? I don't think we're at the point where we're going to see consolidation among the platforms. These are scaled-up players that have to execute, and it will shake out over the next few years. Do so you think sure. there will be, when you say... Shake out. There will be people who drop out. There will be. There will, not all these streaming platforms will survive. Absolutely right. Well, and, and they'll have to have assets that will realign around that. So we talked well, about this. Did, did, did any of the survivor, any of the remaining smaller legacy media kind of discovery, any of those guys? What would you tell David Zaslav to do right now? Keep is he okay. I think I think David's okay, but David is one of those companies that will still continue to have to get bigger. Continue, even though he's have to grow more or get bought. Is that well? I I think there are still opportunities for consolidation, 
uh, among the, I would say, the mid-tier players that are not as big as the Disney's or the AT&T's or the. What, what would is he you, a buyer or somebody? Who's and what a would you when you go and talk to him? What do you tell him to do? Focus on his business and continue to grow. You, do. you don't. Uh, you don't have any ideas. Something I probably wouldn't talk about here. Yeah. <laughs> what? Not for free. Can you whisper it to me? There are a lot of things I could whisper to you, but not that. Oh, nice. Sweet nothings. All right. All right. Thank you. Always great to see you, my friend. Good to see you, too. Thank you. Take care. Coming up, Senator Tom Cotton has blasted WeWork founder Adam Newman, calling him a fraud, a gangster, and now he wants him investigated for all his alleged infractions. If he goes to jail for something like trafficking drugs over international boundaries, it may not be about his work at WeWork, but it's like getting Al Capone on tax fraud. Squawk Pod. We'll be right back. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Earlier this week, Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Jay Clayton testified in front of the Senate Banking Committee. I thank you for your willingness to appear before the committee today. Amid the questions on the capital markets and investor protection, Republican Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas took on another issue he wants investigated by federal regulators. Mr. Clayton, I want to talk today about the collapse of WeWork. That company just laid off 2,400 workers uh, right at Christmas, 20% of its workforce, due almost entirely to the incompetence, greed, and possible frauds and crimes of WeWork's founder, Adam Newman. We do not comment on whether we are investigating or not investigating. The office-sharing company is back. In the news, Goldman Sachs has offered WeWork a line of credit worth $1.75 billion which, you might remember, is just a little above the exit package paid to founder and former CEO Adam Newman. He received a $1.7 billion payday to walk away from the smoking rubble of his company. Or as he preferred to call it, not a company, a state of consciousness. And he's even on a four-year consulting contract at $185 million in case they need tips on DJs or other kinds of tequila. Senator Tom Cotton joined Squawk Box this morning from the cavernous Russell Rotunda inside the U.S. Capitol. Good morning to you, Senator. You have called for an investigation of this company and of Adam Newman in particular. What, and you've described this as a fraud. What do you think should happen? Well, I certainly hope that WeWork can pull itself together. There's still thousands of jobs on the line, unfortunately, because of Adam Newman's fraud. 
2,400 workers just lost their job a couple of weeks ago as we head into the Christmas season. But this is a company that was valued just a year ago at $47 billion. Uh, and because of Adam Newman's fraud and mismanagement, it's now worth less than $5 billion. Okay, I but mean, Senator, I, I want to I be careful here. And I, I, I can appreciate the skepticism, but let me just be careful because there's a difference between mismanagement and fraud. Fraud is an intentional effort to deceive. And that would arguably suggest that you're suggesting that Adam Newman was deceptive and intentionally deceptive in terms of the numbers and the accounting and, and things of that sort, rather than this being either mismanagement or a collective uh, delusion uh, by Wall Street and the, and the banks and others and investors who had applied this $47 billion valuation to it. Speak to that if you could. Yes. So first, let's look at what happened with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The business press has reported that WeWork submitted a draft prospectus last December, and despite working with skeptical SEC attorneys for eight months, the company's value still went up in smoke in just a month after that document was released in August. Look at some of the misrepresentations, or the fictions, I would say, in that document, that they were assuming a 100% occupancy rate in all of their leased properties, where they were using fake, made-up metrics like contribution margin or community-adjusted EBITDA, whatever that means. Look at some of the, the reporting in the business press on Adam Newman's own behavior. There's credible reports that he traveled with illegal drugs across I'm not international gonna boundaries. I'm not gonna Senator, I'm not disputing the reports and I'm not defending the company. The only thing I'm suggesting um, is it's one thing to assume a 100% occupancy rate if you're trying to project out what you think may happen. And you may say those are reasonable or you may say those are unreasonable assumptions. That unto itself, at least as I understand the law, is not considered fraud. What's considered fraud would be if the numbers unto themselves, meaning how much they earned, how many spaces were indeed occupied, were in fact untrue. And I have not seen evidence of that yet. I find it hard to believe there's any evidence to suggest a 100% occupancy rate. And I know the SEC had serious concerns about some of their made-up metrics. But also look at Adam Newman's own behavior. There's credible reports in the business press that he traveled with illegal drugs across international boundaries on private aircraft. I hope the SEC is not just investigating Adam Newman's lead at WeWork, but also those kind of reports. If he goes to jail for something like trafficking drugs over international boundaries, it may not be about his work at WeWork, but it's like getting Al Capone on tax fraud. Senator, what do you think, though, of the various banks that were involved in this, that supported this company, that continued to loan money to this company, that allowed it to grow the investors that poured, also poured money into this company, do you believe that they were defrauded or do you believe they were part of the fraud? Well, I know that some of them are suing WeWork right now. I'm much more concerned, though, about the workers who are losing their jobs or who may lose their jobs in the future than sophisticated investors. I do think it's time, though, for some of those sophisticated investors to take stock of the kind of super voting structures that enabled Adam Newman to right. hold WeWork hostage and get $1.7 billion in payouts for reducing his company to a smoking rubble. Right. Do you find it unusual, because I do, that SoftBank, which arguably was their, it wasn't arguably, it was true, they were the biggest investor in the company, and if they had been defrauded, you would have imagined, at least I would have thought, they would have run for the hills and in fact, they were probably the only real buyer who actually continued 
to commit to the company. What do you think of that? Well, I'm not exactly clear why SoftBank kept throwing good money after bad. It may have been because they were so deeply invested in it, they wanted to try to salvage some of their investment. But again, that's really a question between SoftBank's management and their investors, uh, whose money they were investing in WeWork. I'm more concerned about the workers at WeWork, as well as potential securities and criminal violations by Adam Newman. Do you plan to call hearings uh, that might include Adam Newman to the Hill on this issue? I, I think such hearings would be appropriate. I would think that some of the Democrats would like to join those hearings as well. As I've said repeatedly, Adam Newman's actions are a good reason why so many Americans are skeptical about capitalism. If Adam Newman is the future face of American capitalism, then the defenders of capitalism are going to have a much harder case in defending it against socialism. It's a uh, longer debate. We appreciate uh, having you here, uh, Senator. Thank you for joining us, and happy holidays. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks. That's the show for today. Thank you for listening. I have your anagram. Ken Wren. Ken Wren. I do not want to be constrained for for my nom de plume by my name. I want to pick a really, really cool one. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. And if your name turns into a cool anagram, let us know. We're on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all for free on your favorite podcast app. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.